Bloomberg Behind the Scenes. It's brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Use an integrated investment account from Interactive Brokers to earn, borrow, spend, and invest globally from one account. Learn more at ibkr.com. From the Interactive Brokers Market Lounge in New York, I'm Tom Keen, and joining me today is the right person at the right time. Martin Feldstein, of course, is legendary at Harvard University. We'll talk about that behind the scenes. We'll talk about uh, the path from lawyer to economist. And of course, we'll speak on President Reagan. But right now in behind the scenes is what Martin Feldstein is doing in his economics within this changing America. So I think it's particularly timely to be here. Thank you so much, Professor, for joining us. Um, to go back to Harvard, you walked you, you walked off uh, Harvard Square there wanting to be a lawyer, right? I walked uh, into Harvard College thinking that I would come out of it and go to law school. How did you commit microeconomics? Were you a freshman in microeconomics? I was a freshman. Waved in, down at you in X10? I was a freshman in the economics course, and I said, this is interesting stuff. Uh, economists know how to think analytically about real problems. So I decided to major in economics. Interesting. And with the vibrancy of Harvard, the legacy of the early 20th century, very different than now, not better or worse, but just very different then. And I think of Chicago and MIT and all the other efforts. There was a mathiness that came in after you did your work. Were you burdened by the math of the time? There was no math for undergraduates in the economics department. We will pause there. And behind the scenes, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, the statement you just heard from Professor Feldstein is truly behind the scenes. Would you explain to all everyone listening, how is it possible there could not be math in economics at the undergraduate level, the time of Feldstein, the time of Paul Samuelson and the others? How is that possible? The logic of economics doesn't require mathematics. It requires understanding the key forces. It requires understanding supply and demand and opportunity cost and all that. And of course, you can mathematize it. But I think a good thing about the Harvard undergraduate education is they said, no, we talk about the concepts and we save the mathematics for graduate students. You save the mathematics for the graduate students, but nowadays there's almost physics envy with it all. I'd say in the last five years we've gotten a little bit away from this, but was there a period in the length that you've been mm -hmm. at Harvard where you said there's too much math? I've been teaching at Harvard for 50 years, 5-0, 50 years. I still teach a big undergraduate course uh, called American Economic Policy, no math. No math. What do you say in your course right now about the Gilded Age? I mean, behind the scenes, there have been various Gilded Ages over time. How is this Gilded Age different from the one of the booming 50s or the roaring 60s, etc.? I think there are problems now that we didn't have before. I think the Fed um, made a big mistake in keeping interest rates low. That pushed the house prices up, that created the financial crisis, and they didn't learn from it. So once again, we have kept interest rates super low for a decade, and that's having serious problems, I think, making the U.S. economy more fragile than it would otherwise be. America invented an FDR Democrat, I believe my memory is right, out of Iowa, 
who wandered out to Hollywood and created a wonderful, with great respect for his talent, B-movie career. He did a TV show with a wagon train going across a desert. And then all of a sudden, you're in the White House with actor Ronald Reagan. Did he care about Feldstein's economics? He did. He did. He, I, the first time I met him uh, in the White House, uh, when he offered me the job, uh, I talked to him about the economy, and he sat there and he listened and thanked me for coming. And I thought, but he didn't take notes and he didn't ask any questions. Is, he, is this just a kind of show? I am the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. He is the president, so this is my role. And then I realized that he had a fabulous memory. So a couple of days later, there was a cabinet meeting. Somebody said something, and the president replied, no, no, Marty told me earlier this week, da-da-da-da. So he really did listen, and uh, that was very gratifying. Where does economics stand at the White House right now? Boy, are things changing. This is a unique administration. <laughs> Kevin Hassett, he's a PhD from Pennsylvania. That's a small school south of Cambridge. <laughs> Hassett has to put up with the modern economics of the Trump administration. I mean, it's a little different calculus right now, isn't I it? I don't think the administration is paying much attention to traditional economic issues. They're not dealing with the deficit on the, on the trade conflict with China. They're not... Uh, dealing with the real problem, which is the theft of technology. So I don't mm -hmm. think there's much economics happening in the White House. I want to go behind the scenes with education and all that you've done for education, of frankly, economics and almost the engineering of our society uh, with your acclaimed Act 10. Let's begin with this raging debate in America right now about AP this and AP that. We have a, a, a nation of high school kids doing well in school who get all these waivers on academics so they miss them at the undergraduate level. Do you approve of the AP model or should they take the calculus freshman year? Well, they don't have to take calculus to take the introductory course in economics at Harvard now. Uh, what they miss if they have taken the AP and can opt out, they miss the lectures. So the sections where we teach supply and demand and opportunity cost, uh, they've learned all that. But I say to them, even if you're able to opt out, you ought to come and hear the different professors in the department mm -hmm. talk about their specialties, trade, labor, uh, housing. So, uh, uh, and Unfortunately, many who have taken the AP course in economics and gotten a five opt out of it, and so they've missed the chance yeah. to hear my colleagues. I'll editorialize behind the scenes. You're 100% correct. Missed is the right opportunity uh, loss that so many are facing today. Tell us about the advent of Act 10. There was Act 1 for years, economics. They just changed the number. They changed the number as well, <laughs> but they didn't change the energy you brought to it. You're going in there with a bunch of scared 17 or 18-year-olds. They're all whip smart. We all get that. They all think they're the smartest kids. Did you try to humble the kids no. in Act 10? Do you? No, Do you go in and say, hey, wait a minute, this is the way it really is? Or what was your approach with these treasured uh, academics that are 17 and 18 years old? Basically, they didn't know anything about economics. And I knew that, and they knew that. And it was mind-opening for them to hear the basic uh, ideas of economics. So I thought it was a great opportunity for me to introduce them to 
the common uh, thrust of economics and to have them have that as part of their worldview. Right. There was Samuelson 48, which, folks, is a magisterial moment in uh, American academics where you have a book on economics written for the MBAs at MIT. MIT professors, a small school <laughs> downriver from Harvard. Um, but but there's Samuelson 48 is the iconic book. Did you use Samuelson or did what text Samuelson did you use? Samuelson 52 or something yeah. like that, yeah. And you use that book, and again, it's not... Mathy. The charm of it is, That's right. folks, you would not believe there's barely y equals c plus i plus g plus nx in it. Right. Very important. So it didn't put kids off. Yes. They, thank you. They could understand it. What would you say today? Let's go behind the scenes. You know, and then people said, well, that's a point of view. And I said, you know, here are three or four other major textbooks. Choose any one of them mm. uh, to read along with the course. And that way you will understand economics and will realize that it doesn't matter whether right. it's the Samuelson book or somebody else's book. The nostalgia now across all parties and across what I'll call elite educated America is we want to go behind the scenes back to 1983 and do something about our adult crises like Social Security and Medicare and that. How do we get back to the pixie dust of 1983? Well... What happened in 1983 is we were very close to running out of funds in the Social Security program. So something had to be done. And what um, President Reagan and Speaker Tip O'Neill agreed on is they would uh, increase the age at which people could collect full Social Security benefits from 65 to 67. It wouldn't happen overnight. It would be phased in very gradually so the public didn't You're now advocating object. age 75? I'm now, <laughs> I'm now advocating pushing it up from 67 to 70 because yeah. life expectancy has jumped three years since 1983 and then indexing it to future life expectancy. Very good. Martin Feldstein, thank you so much behind the scenes with us today. Martin Feldstein, of Harvard University. This has been Bloomberg Behind the Scenes from the Interactive Brokers Market Lounge. Behind the Scenes brought to you by Interactive Brokers constantly strives to innovate and create technology to automate your trading experience with their advanced trading tools. Learn how Interactive Brokers helps lower your costs to maximize your returns at IBKR.com. I'm Tom Keen. This is Bloomberg Behind the Scenes. <laughs>